Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. Verse 14 says, Jesus, having found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king comes, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, the other gospel accounts of this event tell us a little more about the acquiring of this donkey. For it was actually one of many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled throughout this greater event. The prophecy of his riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, we can find that all the way back in Zechariah 9.9. And in that day, triumphant kings and princes, they would often ride upon white donkeys or even white stallions while, fittingly, their sons would ride along upon its colt. That day, Jesus was coming as a lowly servant, the humble sacrifice. Revelation tells us that there will come a day, the next time he comes, when he'll be riding on a white stallion. Because that time, well, that time he'll be the triumphant king. Jesus would enter into Jerusalem that day in full view of his followers, as well as full view of his enemies. Because he knew full well where this would lead, and he remained in plain sight of what he was. During the Passover time, roughly two to three million people were there. And he didn't come in a limo with darkened glass or a private helicopter. He entered as he lived, as a humble servant. His life was all about pleasing the Father. He did nothing on his own accord. John 8.28 tells us that Jesus actually does nothing on his own. And what I mean by that is every aspect of his life is God-directed. Not just the big stuff. Like us, many of us, we we call God occasionally when we want to hear from Him, you know, when we want to know what our directions are, but the everyday life things, well, we just prefer to fly by our own desires. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, the meaning of the word flesh throughout scripture in general is is attributed to the evil nature of man. But actually, when you look into the, the meaning of the word here as it's presented, we find the following description, and I quote, natural man without any suggestion of depravity. So what does that mean? That means that even our own natural life and desires, not, not just sin, but our own natural even moral life and desires look we're clearly called to walk the scripture throughout tells us that and when we walk that means more than just taking a stroll to walk in scripture means to live to regulate one's life to conduct oneself to pass one's life we're called to walk according to the spirit according to God's will in all things. 
I mean, there's nothing here about phoning up the Father occasionally when we actually want to hear what God's calling is. Or Look, Jesus' life, all of it, was ordained by the Father. He was walking according to God's total life plan for him. Verse 16 says his disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Verse 17, the multitude therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead was testifying about it. For this cause also the multitude went and met him because they heard he had done the sign. So as all of this is going down, the boys, the apostle boys, they, well, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand the importance of the events as they transpired. Isn't that a sad testimony of mankind? I mean, we never seem to understand until after the fact. Frankly, usually after we've messed it all up. It wasn't like Jesus in the written word had not previously spoken of these things, even warned of these things. But it wouldn't, after it was all over, well, then they understood. I guess some things will never change. At least not with the most of us. You know, the truth is, most of us, we want understanding. We just don't really want to glorify him in obedience with the living of our lives, the totality of our lives. And that shuts off the change that we hoped for. Well, truth be told, we don't want to know too much. We know innately that we would have to answer for that knowledge. <laughs> Better to not ask because, well, he just might tell us, well, we don't want to hear. Only when we obey do we understand the meaning of our faith. Now, in that day, in the midst of masses, were a few who, well, had been there. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, they were present at the resurrection of Lazarus. But more than that, there were there those who had been there in the context of witness to the miraculous. And it didn't really matter what specific act they witnessed. What was important was that they witnessed the power and the manifest of God in action. And because they had been in the midst of God's work, they then responded by living out the testimony of the Creator. Our text says, For this cause also, also the multitude went and met him. Gang, isn't that the point of our lives as redeemed individuals? To be where God is working, to testify as such to others who will, because of that witness, meet Jesus where he is. Have those around you heard what he has done? It's up to us to tell them, you know. Or perhaps you are not close enough to witness the miraculous things of God to even know what he's doing here, and in truth, well... You don't have anything to say. Many of us will go out of our way to not be in a place where God is truly manifesting himself because, you know what, we don't want the responsibility or the accountability to, uh, to testify of that miraculous. 
Verse 19 says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, See how you accomplish nothing? Behold, the world has gone after them. Now the Pharisees, they were not among the faithful, we know that. But let us make no mistake, they were, in the strictest sense, they were believers. But then again, Satan is a believer. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe in shudder. When the Bible says, Believe in me and you will be saved, belief is more than just some sort of intellectual position. That belief means to be persuaded, to put a confidence in, to trust. So on that standard, these guys failed absolutely. There are effectively two different kinds of people in the world. Those who see and believe, and those that see and reject. But indeed, you know, we all see. Romans 1.19-22 tells us, quote, Because that which is known of God is revealed in them, for God revealed it to them. The impossible things of him since the creation of the world, they're clearly seen being perceived through the things that are made, even his everlasting power and divinity, that they may be, and here it is, without excuse. Because knowing God, they didn't glorify him as God, and they didn't give thanks. But they became vain in their reason. And their senseless hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Look, the denial of truth doesn't make it untrue. What it does do is make a person confused, and then it allows all kinds of sin to creep into their lives. Well, that's a fact. James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition are, there is confusion in every evil deed. These believer non-followers, despite all their efforts, they could not change the truth. Just as they may, they could not stop him, they could not stop his followers. In fact, it says, look, the world has gone after him. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.